Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Meryl Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. So, Crystal, I wanted to talk about a book I read called The Likely Resolutions of Oliver Clock. That's Clock with a C. And it's written by Jane Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. I found this book to be compelling for many different reasons. It's a bit of a, of a hodgepodge. It's kind of a crazy book. But Oliver Clock is the third generation of a family business owner. So his grandfather started a funeral home, went to his dad and his mom, and now Oliver, his dad's dead, his mom is still alive, and Oliver is soon to be turning 40 and is in this family business. And like so many other family businesses, it wasn't that he really chose to be in this business. He just kind of grew up in the business and knew all about the business, and it was expected that he would take on this business. And now he's got all the issues of being a business owner in a third-generation family business. So tell me about your experiences with multiple-generation family businesses. Uh, Well, most of the multi-generation family businesses I've worked with have been farms and ranches, which has an interesting dynamic of its own. Usually by the third generation, there are a lot of children um, in that third generation, four plus children. I have some, uh, I have one family that had 13 children, two that have had 10 children in that generation. And oftentimes when you get any group of 13 people together, they don't all agree on what really? should happen. Color it's me shocking. Surprised. It's shocking. Um, and typically in family businesses, by the time you get to the third generation, it's pretty clear that there are one or two people who want to actively participate. There is at least one person, often one of the younger children, that feel the obligation to participate. And then there are other children who have no desire to participate, but want to make sure, want to know that the the land, the operation is going to stay in the family and not be sold. And also, right, but of course they don't want to do anything with the, it. They just no. want to make sure everybody else doesn't screw it up. And they want to make sure they get something out of it. So they're not participating, but they want something out of it nonetheless. Yeah. So this book also was interesting because I, I giggled as, you know, lawyers are, most lawyers are small business owners themselves, mm-hmm. and we have to deal with staffing issues. And when staff changes, so in this case, the embalmer quits, and so now poor little Oliver is doing all the marketing, and he's also now doing all the embalming, and he tries to hire an embalmer, and the mother overrules him on the one he wants to hire, and it's just so funny about, you know, staffing is hard enough, and then you have to add family members jumping in with their own ideas. Yes, yeah. But what I thought was so interesting about this book is Oliver meets a woman who is also an entrepreneur and her entrepreneurial idea is that she's a candle maker and she makes candles that smell like a loved one. And so you can burn this candle and evoke the memories of this loved one that you miss. And I found that so interesting for so many reasons. A, I can't decide if it's creepy or if it's cool. And B, to me, the sense of smell when you're grieving is so evocative because 
years later, months later, when you think that this waves of the waves of grief that people go through when they're the water's kind of calm and then you'll smell something and it just brings you back and either makes you laugh or brings you to tears. But with me, it was, I don't even remember what I smelled, but I was in a grocery store and I smelled something that reminded me of my mother and I burst into tears. This had to be eight months after she died, which in hindsight, when I was telling my brothers about this, they all started to laugh because my mother was the worst cook <laughs> on the planet. The she was big into quantity because, remember, I have five brothers. So quantity was her thing, not quality. And the idea that something in a grocery store would would make me think of her fondly was just funny. But <laughs> it just brought me back. And smells can do that. Smells, to me, more than anything else, can bring you back to a moment. And so this woman's idea of these candles to remind you of someone I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and, and I think we see it when we're meeting with clients who... Um, have lost someone and they won't clean out the closet or they won't um, wash the pillow. They'll keep a pillow. They'll keep something that does. It gives them that smell so they feel like the person's there. Um, but it's, to me, lighting a candle is like actively seeking that memory yeah. versus holding on to something so that it's all. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if it's creepy or lovely. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, you know, what smells would people think of of me and what smells would, like, I think of of Ralph, and right. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> like, Ralph definitely would be Irish Spring yeah. and um, Old Spice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Crystal, I guess the reason I thought this book was worthy of a mention is I think we forget sometimes the assistance we can provide to clients to help them through this grieving process yes and that everybody grieves differently and f for different periods of time and it goes up and it goes down and our role really you know lawyers are counselors but we're really yes. not the grief counselors and we need to send them to grief counselors yes. at some time I always ask clients you know are you sleeping and because if they're not sleeping, everything's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So if they can just get some sleep, they the whole grieving process will be better. And if they're not sleeping, I really want them to go to a physician and get some type of sleep aid because I'm uh, concerned because there's a difference between a grief counselor and a counselor who is going to treat them for depression. Right. Because grief yeah. is different than depression. And yes. I don't want them put on necessarily, now that I'm practicing medicine with a license, right. I don't necessarily <laughs> right. want them put on antidepressants yeah. because grieving is a different chemical it reaction is. than than depression. And I want to make sure that whomever they're talking to understands that there's a difference. Yeah. And I, I recommend, to, as well as asking about sleep, I recommend to my clients um, who are grieving both because of the death of a loved one or the diagnosis of a loved one, whether it's a terminal or Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, to find a support group. There are a lot of amazing support groups out there. Um, I think people just, as they are grieving, need to know that there are other people out there that may be going some, through something similar, and it's not a jump back on the saddle quickly kind of thing. Give yourself some time to process everything that's happened, not just for you, but if you have other family members, children, they're going through something as well, making sure everybody's getting the support they need um, from their doctor and from support groups, I think helps. I, and I do think there's no right timeline for grieving. 
it, it could take years. The, the process that they go through, some people feel like they need to keep busy and go back to work, might be not practicing law or practicing medicine without a license, but might be pushing out that grieving so that they don't have to deal with it. You know, it's a shame to me that attorneys and doctors don't discuss these things more often because I know, you know, in a, in a, generally as professionals, when a doctor hears that a doctor hears that a lawyer is calling, the doctor is like, oh dear God, I've done mm-hmm. something wrong. Why would a lawyer be calling me? But, you know, state playing lawyers were different. Yes. And if we could only have more conversations, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I also think is, you know, back in the day when it took a village and when people had more connections that were real, we had built-in support groups of loving, extended family and people. Mm -hmm. And now that people don't have that as much, one of the reasons I went into estate planning is because my family's crazy. And I thought my family was the only family that was crazy. And then I realized that everyone's family is crazy, but people don't talk about that. Right. So people in our culture don't talk about grief very often, and they don't bring it out. And everybody's grieving in some way, and no one knows what's really going on because we don't talk about it. And so the idea that this this smell right. is such a big part of grieving yeah. that I thought this book was worth discussing. That's it for this episode of Tax Boss. Remember, spectacular trusted advisors play nice in the sandbox with their peers. Find your A-team and collaborate with them. Tax Boss is sponsored by Your Caring Law Firm in Orlando, Florida and The Law Center PC in Denver, Colorado.